Thank you for listening to City Awakening Podcast. City Awakening is a gospel-centered church located in East Orlando that plants new churches, striving to be a multicultural, multi-generational church. For more information about City Awakening, follow us on social media or visit www.cityawakening.org. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Lewis. I'm the lead pastor here at City Awakening. Uh, welcome to those of you who are here on site and to those of you watching online. We're glad you're able to join us online also. Uh, if you didn't get a chance to check your child in, please see, um, check, your, uh, children, che- check your child in in the back there with our children's ministry leaders there. Uh, so we can go ahead and dismiss our children to Children's Church. We like to have our children worship together with their families and then go to Children's Church where they'll receive some age-specific teachings and content over there. So like I said, if you didn't get to check your child in, please see our children's ministry leaders in the back, and they would be more than happy to help you with that. Uh, Today we are continuing our teaching series that we've been doing called The Story, where we are going through the biblical narrative from the very beginning in Genesis 1 to the last amen in Revelation 22. And today's story, we're going to study Daniel in the lion's den. It is a story that can teach us how to find strength when life is hard. Because the reality is, is that life isn't always easy. Amen? Life isn't always easy. Sometimes life is hard. Sometimes life is tough. Sometimes life can feel like you've been thrown in a lion's den. Sometimes life feels like you've been thrown in a lion's den and the struggles of life, the hardships of life that you're going through feels like it's devouring you every day. Where do you turn to for strength when that happens? Where do you find your strength? Where do you turn to for strength When life is hard, do you turn to the bottle, maybe trying to to numb your pain? Do you turn to to maybe binge-watching something on Netflix to try and numb your mind? You know, maybe I'll watch something, I'll watch a movie, or I'll watch a show, or I'll binge, because then I don't have to think. I can numb my mind. Do you turn to maybe your friends or your family members trying to receive some advice on how to make life easier, how to make your life better? Where do you turn to for strength when life is hard? Everybody is going to experience days that are hard, weeks that are hard, sometimes even months that are hard. And the story of Daniel can help us to find strength when life is hard. The story of Daniel can help us to be able to find strength in those moments when we feel like We've been thrown into a lion's den, and life is just devouring us. And this is what we're going to talk about today, all right? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn them over to Daniel chapter 6. If you're new to your Bible, you'll find Daniel in there, somewhere in the middle of your Bible. We'll also have the words on the screen for you. We'll start off in Daniel chapter 6, verse 1, and then we'll work our way through most of the chapter uh, of chapter 6, all right? For those of you taking notes, the title of today's message is The Lion's Den, and this is the big idea of the message. Find your strength from above, not from within. All right, find your strength from above, not from within. You'll see that as we go through the text, you're going to see why that's important to your life, and you're going to see why that's a, a better strength to find for your life than the strength that maybe we have within, within our willpower and things like that, our own self-reliance alone. You'll see that as we go through the text, all right? Uh, let me give you a little bit of context here. So last week, we studied some of the book of Jeremiah, where we learned that the Babylonians had conquered the southern kingdom of Israel, which was the kingdom of Judah. Well, this week in the book of Daniel, we're studying a period of history around six century BC, where the Jews are starting to be deported now. They are starting to be put into Babylonian exile. 
Well, a part of that, that the, deport, the deported, a part of those who are um, exiled into Babylon are Daniel and three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, as well as Daniel, they are not only living in Babylonian exile, but they are also working within the, the Babylonian government. For years, they were working within the Babylonian government. And while they were living in Babylonian exile, while they're working within the government, life wasn't always easy for them. In fact, if you study Daniel chapter 3, you learn that King Nebuchadnezzar ends up throwing Daniel's three friends into a fiery furnace because they refused to bow down and to worship an idol that King Nebuchadnezzar had created. But the Lord miraculously saved Daniel's friends, proving that he is sovereign over King Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, one of the major themes of the entire book of Daniel is that the Lord is sovereign over all kings and kingdoms in this world. But life wasn't easy for Daniel and his friends, living in Babylonian exile or even working within the government. By the time we get to chapter 5 in Daniel, we learn that Belshazzar ends up becoming the new king of Babylon. And Daniel is able to interpret a message that Belshazzar receives from the Lord. And he tells King Belshazzar that, that uh, the Babylonians are going to be conquered by the Medes and the Persians. And historically, that happens on that very night. And so you have King Darius of the Medes who ends up coming in conquering Babylon, and then he appoints Daniel to be one of his trusted advisors to help keep stability within the Babylonian government. All right, and this is where we're going to pick up the text. We'll pick it up from there. Daniel chapter 6 verse 1 states, Darius decided to appoint 120 satraps over the kingdom stationed throughout the realm. And over them, three administrators, including Daniel. These satraps would be accountable to them so that the king would not be defrauded. Daniel distinguished himself above the administrators and satraps because he had an extraordinary spirit. So the king planned to set him over the whole realm. All right, so here's what's happening. You have King Darius appointing 120 satraps, 120 government, government officials, which their primary role, a satrap's primary role, was for them to collect some of, the, some of the money to be able to give to the king. So collect the tribute for the king, but also to provide security for whatever region they were appointed over. King Darius also appoints three administrators, three high officials, and their primary responsibility was to oversee all the satraps in the regions. Well, Daniel is appointed as one of those three administrators, one of those three high officials. And it's because he, he was um, serving with excellence, the text says. He had an extraordinary spirit, the text says. So much so that King Darius recognize it, recognizes it and wants to appoint him to be one of the leaders over the entire kingdom. See, what we're learning at this point in the text is we're learning that the Lord wants us to work with excellence. He wants us to work with an extraordinary spirit even in our difficult careers or even in our secular work environments. See, some of you work in a difficult career. Some of you work in secular work environments in a non-Christian setting. Well, so did Daniel. What we're learning here is that the Lord wants us to work with excellence, to work with an extraordinary spirit, such an excellent, extraordinary spirit that it starts to make an, an impact on the work environment that's around us. This is exactly what Daniel is doing. Daniel is doing exactly what the prophet Jeremiah told the Jews to do when they were going into Babylonian exile. See, the prophet Jeremiah told the Jews this, Jeremiah 29 verse 7, pursue the well-being of the city you've been deported to. Pray to the Lord on its behalf. 
How many of you are doing that? How many of you are seeking the well-being of the city that you're living in or even praying on its behalf? How many of you are praying for your coworkers? How many of you are praying for your neighbors who are far from the Lord? We want to be a place where both skeptics and believers can seek truth and find joy in community. Well, part of that entails us praying for both skeptics and believers to come and to know the truth. Praying for the well-being of the city that we're living in and the work environment's in. We see Daniel doing this. Daniel is working with such excellence, such an extraordinary spirit, that it is an impact on his work environment and even the city that's around him in such a way that King Darius notices and he wants to appoint him over all the satraps and and high officials in the area. Well, this makes the other satraps and the other high officials jealous. And so listen to what verse 4 says. Verse 4, the administrators and satraps kept trying to find a charge against Daniel regarding the kingdom. But they could not find any charge or corruption, for he was trustworthy. You know what they're doing here? They're doing exactly what we see happen within our own country every time during an election season. What we see happening in our own country during every election season is you see certain politicians or the news media trying to dig up whatever dirt they can find on their opponent to try and smear their opponent's name. You know, sometimes the... The politicians make it easy to find the dirt, right? Sometimes the dirt is very easy to find, but sometimes there's some politicians where it's very difficult to find the dirt. So what do they do? The news media starts digging, keeps digging, keeps going way back, all the way maybe to their elementary years when Jimmy flicked a booger in Mary's eye, right? And they're like, oh, see, remember that? As soon as you know, they, they're a hater, right? They're a hater. And then they dig that up and they try. This is exactly what's happening here. They're trying to find, dig up whatever kind of dirt they can find against Daniel, to smear his name, but they can't find any corruption in him, so they change their plot. Verse 6, so the administrators and satraps went together to the king and said to him, may, may King Darius live forever. All the administrators of the kingdom, the prefects, the satraps, advisors, and governors have agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an edict that for 30 days anyone who petitions any god or man except for you, the king, will be thrown into the lion's den. See, since they can't find any dirt or corruption on Daniel, what they're doing here is is they are trying to get King Darius to create a law that they know Daniel wouldn't be willing to follow because of his faith in the Lord. It's a new law that's going to prohibit them from being able to pray to any God. People can't pray to any God for 30 days And so they got to pray to King Darius. they got to seek petitions from King Darius. Well, they know that Daniel's not going to follow this, which means that Daniel, his job is now at risk. Even worse, his life is at risk. Because if he breaks this law, he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. There is no doubt that some of us have harder jobs than others in this room. And in fact, for some of you, your job may feel like it's a daily grind. But imagine having Daniel's job where your employer has the authority to throw you in a lion's den for insubordination. Daniel is having a hard day here. He's facing a tough time and a tough situation where if he breaks this law, it's not only going to mean that he's going to lose his job, He's going to lose his life. Verse 8, your majesty, establish the edict and sign the document 
so that as a law of the Medes and Persians, it is irrevocable and cannot be changed. So King Darius signed the written edict, not realizing the pretenses behind it. See, historically, we know that the Medes and the Persians, they had a custom where if a king made a law, that law was irrevocable. Historians say that the reason why they did that was be able, to be able to protect people from the king just basically making, making whatever laws they wanted to make, you know, depending upon their mood swing that they're in. You know, for example, uh, you know, today, you know, there's going to be a basketball tournament happening after church, all right? Maybe some of y'all going to play, all right? You're going to lose some of you, right? Okay, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm going to win. Basketball is not my sport, all right? I might die trying, but I'm not going to say I'm going to win. If the king was a part of that tournament and the king lost and the king threw a tantrum, the king could write a decree saying that that's it, we're done. We're banning basketball in the entire kingdom. Anybody who's, who's going to play basketball in the kingdom, they're going to be thrown in the lion's den if they're caught playing basketball. And then a couple days later, you know, once the king cools down, you know, their tantrum's over and stuff like that, they'd revoke the law. This happened a lot in ancient civilizations. And so what the Medes and the Persians did was they developed this custom basically saying, we need, to, we need to prevent kings from being able to do that. And so to do that, whenever a king makes a law, we're going to have this irrevocable custom where they can't, they can't reject it anymore. They can't revoke it only a few days later. Now, one of the things that, that they could do was they could write a new law that would maybe, you know, bend the truth, that would go, maybe help give them an out or maybe go around the old law, you know, didn't revise it, but just maybe gave them a way out. But they would resist doing that because of the irrevocable custom and because it would give the impression that they aren't divine. See, the Medes and the Persians, they wanted to give the impression that they were a deity. And if you have a king who's continually making laws and then changing them, you know, or, or just adjusting them a bit, then what you're going to get is somebody who's making a lot of mistakes and they're no longer going to be viewed as divine anymore. And so historians say the reason this law was in place, this custom was in place, was to prevent kings from just mood swings, making whatever laws they want, but also to make the kings look divine. Well, what happens the text tells us that Darius signs the edict. He makes this law prohibiting people from being able to pray to their God for 30 days. And this law puts Daniel's life at risk. He puts his life at risk, and here's how Daniel responds. Verse 10. I love this part. You know, I had a completely different message planned for this week. And uh, when I sat down to study the text, this is the text that turned my heart and said, nope, I feel like this is not only where I need to be, but I feel like as a church, this is where the Lord wants us to be. Listen to how Daniel, what Daniel's response is when life is hard. Verse 10, when Daniel learned that the document had been signed, he went into his house the windows, in it upstairs, the windows in its upstairs rooms were open toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed and gave thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel got down on his knees and prayed. Notice, though, that the text says, just as he did before. Meaning Daniel dropping down on his knees, Daniel praying three times a day. 
was something that was a routine for him. It became a common practice for him, just as he had done before. We see this throughout the book of Daniel. What we see is in chapter 1, we see Daniel dropping down on his knees and praying when the Babylonians are trying to force him to eat certain foods. In chapter, chapter 2, we see Daniel dropping down on his knees and praying when King Nebuchadnezzar is threatening to kill the life of all those wise people in the land who are not able to interpret the message, the dream that, Daniel, or that, that King Nebuchadnezzar had received. Daniel is able to interpret that dream for King Nebuchadnezzar, but he drops down on his knees in chapter 2 first to pray to the Lord. We're seeing it here in chapter 6 when Daniel is facing the lion's den. What does he do? He drops down on his knees and he prays. Daniel continually prayed to the Lord. He continually sought the Lord for strength through prayer. Where do you find your strength when life is hard? Where do you find your strength when marriage is hard? Some of you have been, been going through some real hard times in marriage. We may be coming in here thinking that everything's okay, looking like everything's okay. We've been having a hard time in marriage. Where do you turn to for strength? With the challenges of parenting. Or, parent, or, or teenagers or children, the pressures of being a teenager. Or feeling like I'm always letting mom down. I'm always letting dad down. Or maybe I'm giving in to the peer pressure. Where do you find your strength when work is hard? When you're saying to yourself, I want to quit. I want to give up. I want to walk out on my life. I want to walk out. But I don't know where else to go because this is all I've done my whole life. And I'm stuck. Where do you go for strength? When life is hard, Daniel continually found his strength in the Lord through prayer. But his enemies, they see him praying and they report it to King Darius. And so King Darius, because he really loves Daniel, he cares about Daniel. If you were to read some of the in-between, he, he has a heart for Daniel. He has a lot of respect for Daniel. He, he cares for Daniel. So he tries to rescue Daniel from the lion's den, but King Darius' leaders hold him accountable to the ir- irrevocable custom. And so King Darius regrettably gives the order for Daniel to be thrown in the lion's den. And this grieves King Darius. Now, he, he can't eat. He can't sleep. He loses sleep over this. And so he's waiting all night to find out what happened the next morning. You know, what happened? Is Daniel's God going to save Daniel? And here's what happens the next morning when the king wakes up. Verse 19, at the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you continually serve, been able to rescue you from the lion's? Then Daniel spoke with the king. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, and they haven't harmed me, for I was found innocent before him. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. When Daniel was brought up from the den, he was found to be unharmed, for he trusted in his God. Notice that what saved Daniel 
from the lion's den wasn't his good deeds. What saved Daniel from the lion's den wasn't because he was this skilled animal trainer, you know, like the dog whisperer. What saved Daniel from the lion's den was his faith in the Lord. It says that he trusted the Lord and that basically the Lord honored his faith. He honored his trust in him. Now, this doesn't mean that if you put your faith and trust in the Lord that you're going to have easy days. No, because the reality is, is he had faith and trust in the Lord, but he still faced hard days. See, some of us have a misconception when it comes to faith and we think that when we become a Christian or we put our faith and trust in the Lord, that life's going to be easy for us. Man, Jesus didn't have it easy. Jesus was crucified on the cross. What makes us think that we're going to have it easy? Just because we put our faith and trust in Jesus doesn't mean we're going to have it easy. Daniel put his faith and trust in the Lord, and he still had it hard. But what it does mean is that when we put our faith and trust in the Lord, he's going to see us through those hardships. The Lord is going to see us through the hardships. He's going to give us strength in our hardships through prayer, just like he's doing with with Daniel. Verse 24, the king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. There's two things I want you to realize about this part of the text. First, I want you to to notice that Daniel didn't survive because the lions weren't hungry. The lions were hungry. They overpowered Daniel's enemies and killed them. So Daniel didn't survive because lions, no, they were hungry. Daniel survived because of his faith and trust in the Lord, and the Lord chose to intervene in that moment to save him. The second thing that I want you to notice, and this is more of a historical point, just giving you some biblical background. So the Persians had another custom, and that custom was to kill any man and their family if they accused somebody falsely with a death sentence. The reason they did this, the reason why the Persians would kill the person and their family was to prevent the family from seeking revenge against the executioners, against the kingdom. So they said to prevent that from happening, we're just going to kill the person and we're going to kill their entire family line. Well, in this situation, you have these men, these people, they are falsely accusing Daniel with a death sentence. And so now they are receiving that death sentence. They and their families are receiving the death sentence that Daniel was supposed to receive, according to the ruthless Persian custom. But Daniel survived. Verse 25. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live on the earth, May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. 
What an incredible declaration that King Darius is making here because he is a a Babylonian. The Babylonian Medes and the Persians, they believed in multiple gods. But here he is making a declaration that he has now come to faith in the Lord, faith in the God of the Bible. You know, this exact thing happened with King Nebuchadnezzar back in chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 34 to 37. Listen to the similar language. I, Nebuchadnezzar, looked up to heaven and my sanity returned to me. Then I praised the Most High and honored and glorified him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise, exalt, and glorify the king of the heavens, because all his works are true, and his ways are just. He is able to humble those who walk in pride. You see what we're learning here? What we're learning here is that God uses Daniel's life and even the hardships of his life to bring these pagan kings to faith in him. One of our codes here at City Awakening, one of our core values that you hear us say often here at the church is we want to love the few so we can love the many. What we mean by that is we want to love a few people so well that they cannot ignore the love of Jesus for their life. The reason why we say that is because of the, the great commission that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. City Awakening, this is our vision as a church. We want to reach people with the gospel here in Central Florida and then reach the nations. We want to reach people and reach the world. The way that happens is by us starting with loving the few so we can love the many, loving a few people so well that they can't ignore the love of Jesus for their life and praying for them to come and know the Lord. This is what we're hoping for by growing as a church by 70 people like we've said in previous weeks. We want, are you doing that, right? Are you loving a few people so well they can't ignore the love of Jesus in their life so that we can actually reach people and reach the world with the gospel? Who's your few? Who's the few people in your work? Who's the few people in your neighborhood? Who's the few family members and friends that you have that you can love so well they can't ignore the love of Jesus so we can make Matthew 28 a reality through this church so we can truly reach people and reach the world with the gospel? See, Daniel was doing this in these pagan kings' lives. And these pagan kings end up coming to faith in the Lord. First King Nebuchadnezzar, and now we're seeing King Darius come into faith in the Lord. See, King Darius, he started out with a declaration prohibiting prayer, but he ends with a declaration professing faith. He starts out as a pagan god believing in multiple gods, but he ends as a believing king who ends up believing in the one and only true God of the Bible. He makes a declaration that he believes the God of Daniel, he says, is the only living God who endures forever and whose kingdom will never be destroyed. See, the Lord used Daniel's life and the hardships of his life to reach these pagan kings and lead them to faith. And the Lord wants to use you, your life, and your hardships in life to to lead others to faith too. The Lord gave Daniel strength through prayer, and the Lord can give you strength for your hard days through prayer. And so I want to ask you three questions, okay? Three application questions as it relates to this text, and then I'll close. All right, this is the first question. Question number one, how valuable is prayer to you? How valuable, don't give the churchy answer. Ask yourself a reality, like, no, really, do I, do I really, truly, honestly value prayer? 
How valuable is prayer to you? See, prayer was extremely valuable to Daniel. In fact, if you think about it, Daniel valued prayer more than he valued his own life. He knew that if, if he was going to pray, then he was going to, to have to face the lion's den, but he would rather face the lion's den than lose his prayer life. He valued prayer more than he valued his own life. And when I thought about that this past week, when I even think about it, it's convicting to me because I will sometimes sacrifice my prayer life for far less life-threatening things than a lion's den. I will sometimes sacrifice my prayer life for things like sleeping in or binge-watching something on Netflix. But Daniel would rather give up his life than give up his prayer life. Daniel would rather give up his life than give up spending time with the Lord. He valued prayer more than he valued his life. How valuable is prayer to you? Question number two really stems from that first one. Question number two is, are you willing to make prayer a priority? Are you willing to make prayer? Listen, if, you truly, if, if prayer is truly valuable to you, you make priority for it. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to make prayer a priority in your life? Another one of our codes here, core values here that we'll say often at City Awakening is we want prayer to be our first response and our continual response, meaning we want prayer to be a priority in our life. Well, Daniel did that, right? Daniel made prayer a priority in his life. He prayed three times a day, and, you know, making it more like, you know, it was more, it was more routine for him. Like every day, yeah, this is, this is what I'm going to do. It is a part of my relationship with the Lord, and I'm going to do this just like brushing my teeth or eating three meals a day. You know, he, he prayed three times a day. You know, John Wesley, the great John Wesley, you know, he, he trained himself to pray every hour on the hour without an iPhone, setting his alarm, right? Every hour. He trained himself to pray every hour on the hour. Why did he do that? He did that because he didn't just want to start his day out with the Lord. He wanted to continue his day with the Lord. See, both Daniel and Wesley, they valued prayer. They they valued spending time with the Lord so much that they made it a priority in their life. They knew that the only way they were going to make it through the hardships of their day was to seek the Lord, find strength in the Lord through prayer as they went throughout their day. Now, my wife and I, we're trying to teach our children to do this at home. We're trying to teach our children to grab their Bibles before they grab their phones. We're trying to teach them when they wake up in the morning to grab their Bibles, to do a devotion. We'll do family devotion together so we can all be studying the same thing, the same truths, um, you know, in, in the house. Listen, we're not perfect and it. Don't look at us as an ideal, you know, you know, that you can take the idea of it and say, you know, okay, that's great. You know, we want to teach that. We want to do that for our lives too, but know that we have our stumbling moments in it. But we want the word of God leading the way in our house and in our family. So we try to teach our children to grab their Bibles before they grab their phones. Wake up in the morning, pray, Read your Bible, and then take that text that you're studying and the truths of God's Word that you're studying. Ask the Lord to help you to apply that to your life and to live that out as you go throughout your day. Don't just leave it there in the morning. Try to remember it as you go throughout the day. We're trying to teach our children to grab their Bibles before they're ready to make prayer a priority in their life, like Daniel did. What about you? What about you? Are you making prayer a priority in your life, a priority of your everyday life. What is it in your life? What new habits do you need to create? Or maybe some old habits you need to break 
so that you can make prayer more of a priority in your life. Okay? Do you value prayer? How valuable is prayer to you? And, and are, um, are you willing to make prayer a priority? Last question, number three. Where will you find your strength when life is hard? Where will you find your strength when life is hard? See, there's a lot of reasons why we stumble with the first two questions. But one of the reasons why we don't value prayer or we don't prioritize prayer enough in our lives is because we value our own self-reliance more than we should. So we go through everyday life thinking, you know, you know, I got this, Lord. You know, this struggle in my marriage, and I got, I got this, Lord. I don't need to seek your guidance in it. This conversation that I'm about to have with my kids, you know, and discipline because they did something again. I don't need to seek your guidance, Lord, and how many. This business meeting that I'm about to go into or this job opportunity that I now have, I don't need to seek you in that way. See, we, we rely on ourselves so much. We, we think we can go through everyday life, you know, really relying on ourselves instead of prayerfully relying on the Lord. But I can promise you this. Life promises you this. Reason promises you this. Reason meaning logic, intellect will tell you this. Life experience will tell you this. I promise you this. Something is going to happen in your life that you will not be able to overcome. Eventually, something is going to happen in your life that your own self-reliance isn't going to be able to overcome. Eventually, something is going to happen in your life that is going to break your self-reliant knees. Where will you find your strength then? Where will you turn to for strength then? I mean, think about this for a minute. All the things that you and I are relying on, all the things you're relying on for for strength, for security, for satisfaction in this life, eventually it's going to fail you. Eventually it's going to let you down. Eventually you're not going to find strength in it. Your house isn't eternal. Your wealth, your 401k, isn't eternal. Your food in the fridge isn't eternal, especially if you have teenagers. How many of us right now are panicking? How many of us right now internally are stressing over inflation, over the state of the economy, over the lack of food or the lack of fertilizer that is existing to feed the cattle? And we're panicking and it's like, you know, we're going to buy some extra canned goods. We're going to buy some extra bags of rice every week so we can get our stockpile up. Listen, all of that can go in an instant. And our hearts can panic. I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to prep. I'm not saying that it's wrong for us to think about these things. I'm saying that if we put our trust and our satisfaction and our security in these things in this world, it's going to fail us eventually. Your house is not eternal. Your wealth is not eternal. Your health is not eternal. Your family is not eternal. The mini sandcastle kingdom that you've been working so hard to bring, to build, is going to go like that. What will you turn to for strength then? There is nothing in this world that can bring you eternal satisfaction, eternal security, and eternal strength. 
You ready for good news? This is the good news. Nothing except the Lord. Listen, I, I've got nothing else for you than that. I can't sit here and try to give you an attaboy or an girl. Let me give you a 10 steps to a better you sermon. Pick yourself by your, up by your bootstraps, put your mouthpiece in, suck it up, and go another round. No, no, uh-uh. Take your mouthpiece out, preaching to myself on this. Y'all know, some of you know, I love to put my mouthpiece in. Take your mouthpiece out and surrender your life to the Lord because only he is eternal. See, the book of Daniel, the book of Daniel teaches us that only God has the power to shut the mouth of lions. The book of Daniel teaches us that only God has the power to shut the mouth of lions. Only God has the, the power to help us to survive our lion's dens. Only God has the power to help us to make it through our hardships in life. The book of Daniel teaches us that in the end, there's only going to be one kingdom that's standing. It's not your kingdom. It's not my kingdom or anybody else's kingdom. It's the Lord's kingdom, like King Darius said. Find your strength in the Lord and in his kingdom, because in the end, it's only the Lord and his kingdom that's going to be left standing. Eventually, something is going to happen in your life that is going to break your self-reliant knees. And in that moment, when your self-reliant knees break, your only hope will be able to drop to your knees in prayer. The doctors won't be able to help you. The government won't be able to help you. The only one that can help you is the Lord. City Awakening, the big idea of the message is this. Find your strength from above, not from within. Find your strength from above, not from within. Daniel continually found his strength in the Lord through prayer. See, the story of Daniel teaches us that when you have strength in your prayer life, you will have strength in the lion's den. When you have strength in your prayer life, you'll find strength to make it through the lion's den. When you have strength in your prayer life, you will find strength to make it through your hard days. And some of you have been through some hard days. Some of you walked in here today having heavy hearts from hard days. In fact, some of you came in here today on crutches You came in here today walking on crutches, feeling busted up, trying to fix your marriage, feeling weary and exhausted from the challenges of parenting, feeling burdened by the struggles in your career, just the burdens of everyday life. Some of you came in here today on crutches. And you need to leave here today on a stretcher with Jesus being the one who's carrying you. See, the difference between crutches and a stretcher is that with a crutch, you're still able to hold yourself up. With a crutch, you're still relying on your own strength. With a crutch, you can walk in here on your own. 
And that's how some of you have been going with your everyday life. You know, me too, right? Walking on a crutch, carrying myself, still self My knee is broken. I've got a busted knee and I'm broken and I'm hurt and I'm dragging a bit, but I can still, I'm still holding things up on my own. But see, with a stretcher, you need the people to carry you. You are reliant on the person who's holding the stretcher. And some of you walked in here today on crutches, but you need to leave here today on a stretcher with Jesus carrying you. You need to leave here today on bended knee, literally or or metaphorically. Seeking Jesus in prayer, surrendering your marriage to him, surrendering your, your, your children to him, surrendering your family to him, surrendering your career struggles to him, surrendering whatever lion's den you've been facing to Jesus and put it in his loving hands this morning. When Jesus rose from the dead on the third day, he proved that he loves us. He proved that he cared. He proved that he is the eternal God with an eternal kingdom. And the good news of the gospel is that he is willing to save and to strengthen anyone who, who decides to turn to him in prayer. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus Christ chose to go into the lion's den on our behalf when he died for our sins on the cross. And him dying for our sins on the cross proves that he loves you, proves that he cares for you, proves that he is willing to have a relationship with you and to walk with you in your everyday life. If you choose to walk with him daily in prayer, well, you'll find the strength you need to make it through the hardships of your day. You'll also receive the hope of knowing that I'm going to get to spend my eternal life with Jesus in his eternal kingdom where the lion's dens will never hurt me ever again. City Awakening, let us turn to Jesus in prayer right now. Let us turn and give him whatever lion's dens you're facing in your heart right now and let's seek him in prayer. Whatever your struggle is, whatever lion's den you're facing right now, just tell that to the Lord right now. Tell him what you're hurting from. Tell him what you're struggling with. aren't a Christian, if you're a skeptic, tell Jesus today that you surrender to him, that you believe he is your good God, your good king who came to die for your sins on the cross, to give you an eternal relationship with him. Say, Jesus, I, I can't anymore. I can't keep doing life on my own. I need you. I can't anymore. I can't keep walking on crutches, Jesus. I need you to carry me. I need you to hold me. I need you to guide me. I need you to give me the strength to be faithful to the things that you've called me to do in marriage and parenting and family, whatever it is. Pray that to Jesus.
Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Give us strength today as we stand and we worship together as a community to exalt your name and we sing about the battles of life. Lord, may that be a moment where we are singing and and not just expressing words, but we are opening up our hearts, we are opening up our hands, releasing the battles that we've been holding on into your hands. And as that happens, Lord, would you fill us with your love? Would you fill us with your spirit? Would you fill us with your strength? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let us stand and worship Jesus.